Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. Let me call our attention one more time to the book of John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Again, we're looking in the second portion of the Lord's Prayer. It can be broken into three portions, and we're looking at, in this section, the second portion, which is verse number 6 down through verse number 19. We'll read those verses, and then we'll deal with the subject we have for this morning. Verse number 6, the Bible said, I have manifest thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with thee in the world, or with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world." And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the tremendous amount of truth in just the section of Scripture that we've read this morning. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, if we spent the rest of our entire life in this Scripture 
We could never get to the depths of it all. Lord, we ask You this morning that You would help us to glean from it what You would be pleased with in this time we have together. Lord, we thank You for corporate worship. We thank You for the privilege that You've given us to come together and gather around Your Word. We ask You this morning that You would do in every individual heart what You would have to be done and do in us corporately what You would have to be done also. We thank You for Your blessings. We thank You for Your leadership. We thank You for Your guidance. And Lord, we continue to trust You for all those things. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to deal with the subject this morning out of verse number 6 on we are God's people. We are God's people. We're going to look at uh, three different things this morning and as far as why we are God's people. And then in conclusion of that, we're going to look at four different things, four reasons uh, are, are that we come to this conclusion, I guess you might would say. But in our... Our last study, we saw that nothing was more important and reassuring in this world than to be sure that Jesus Christ is praying for us and interceding on our behalf. The, for, the first portion of this study dealt with the very aspect that it was Christ praying for us. And that He's praying for us as we are in the world. As we are here, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And there's a difference there. We've seen that Christians are people who are not of this world. There's a great division of mankind. There are those that are of the world, and there are those that are not of the world. There's that that great division among mankind. Why should this people be a special object of God? Have you ever asked the question, why would God choose me? Why would God look upon me and shine His grace upon me? Why would God have considered me? Those questions come to mind. What is the fundamental division of mankind. Why should this people be the special object of our God's solicitation and His care? What is it about Christian people that put them into a separate position? What is it about them that they have a separate and and personal uh, separation and a position with God. Why then are Christians people that are not of the world? Why is it that Christians are not of the world? The answer to that is the subject we're dealing with today. We are God's people. We are God's people. In fact, we are God's spiritual Israel. We are His chosen people. 
We are His people because He chose it to be that way. And we want to look at three different things this morning as far as us being God's people. Number one, we are God's people because we are shown His grace. We are shown His grace. One of the key factors in your salvation and in my salvation is that we have experienced the grace of God. And that grace of God is that doctrine in which we believe that God has chosen us. God has uh, chosen us to be His people. I do not understand it. I do not understand it in any aspect. But that doesn't make it any less the truth of God. That doesn't make it any less real because I don't have a complete understanding of it. Because I don't have a complete grasp of it does not change the fact that that is what God gives us in His Word. That's That's what God teaches us in His Word. In fact, to be honest with you, when we pretend to think we understand, or when we come to the point to where we try to reason it, we end up getting ourselves into trouble scripturally because our thoughts are not God's thoughts. His ways are past finding out. We are all born and shapen in iniquity. We are all by nature, the Bible teaches us, the children of wrath. We are by nature haters of God. We deliberately disobey Him and follow our own lust and desires. We glory in ourselves rather than glorying in God. Yet in spite of our arrogance, in spite of our pride, in spite of our rebellion, God has looked upon a certain people and placed upon them His mark. And they are His chosen people. He has done something to them. He has done something about them. He has taken them from the evil world in which they were born and set them aside to be His people. I'm glad this morning that I can testify to you that I am one of His people. God chose to set us aside. God, in His infinite wisdom, revealed His grace to us. God showed us His grace. God revealed His grace to us and in doing so made Himself almost irresistible, if not irresistible completely, for us to turn away from Him and to walk away from Him. Why did God do that? I don't have that answer. But I do have the answer of Scripture that we are God's people. We're going to get into the key issues as we get into uh, the conclusion of the message. So 
Basically, I'm going to give you the points and when we get into the conclusion, we'll dig a little deeper into the message. But understand that in spite of what we were born into, God has made us His people. And it is God that made us His people. It is not that you did better. It is not that you chose God. It is that God chose you. It is not that we decided that we wanted God. No, God decided He wanted us. The amazing thing about the grace of God, the thing that amazes me more about the grace of God than anything else, is not that God, that, that there would be some that God would not choose The amazing thing is that there would be any that God would choose. Understanding who we are, understanding our depravity, understanding that if man, and I've I've talked to people in the last several weeks and I, I explained to them and tried to tell them if man was left to himself, If the common grace of God, if the common knowledge of it's wrong to kill, it's wrong to steal, it's wrong to be an adulterer, it's wrong to do, if that common grace was lifted from man, it would be a matter of seconds that man would totally annihilate himself. The only thing that holds back this world from sudden destruction is the common grace of God. But yet God has chosen to allow us as the children of God to be a partaker of His special grace. Of His grace of salvation. God has given us that. Not only have we been shown the grace of God, you and I as the children of God share His glory. That amazes me. That astounds me when I consider the fact that I share the glory of God. I do not take from the glory of God. I share in His glory. And we need to understand that. We think sometimes and we think this way because of who we are and what our mindset is. It it would be almost as if I were to share something I have with you. If I share something I have with you, that means you have a little bit of what I had that takes away from what I had. That's different with God. Sharing in the glory of God takes nothing from the glory of God. God still has His full glory, although He allows us to share in that glory. What a tremendous truth. What a tremendous truth that we find and see in this Scripture. But you and I share in His glory. What was Paul's prayer to the church at Ephesus? 
Paul's prayer to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter number 3 was this. That they may know what is the hope of His calling. Did you catch that? It is His calling. Paul said that he wanted them to know what is the hope of His calling. It's the calling of God. Not only did He want us to know that, but He wanted them them to understand the riches of the glory of His inheritance to the saints. The inheritance is what God has allowed us to be a part of. We are part of and have that inheritance of the saints. Paul also says in the book of Galatians that we are separated out of this evil world and put into a special category and compartment. You and I have been taken out of a special category and compartment. Thank you, Brother Charles. I read this illustration and I thought it was a it was a good illustration, but it still lacks in an understanding of, of what it is to share in the glory of God. The illustration was given, and, a, and, and I don't know that you could have a real and genuine illustration that could explain what I'm trying to say here as you and I are sharing in the glory of God. The Bible tells us that for God so loved what? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, you get that? That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's the division there. God loved the world, but God set apart a people. God loved the world and wanted them to be saved, but He saved those that He revealed His grace to. The illustration was given this way. Understanding a child as they have a toy box in their room. And as they go through that toy box, they enjoy all the toys that they have. But there's that special toy they sleep with. There's that special toy that has to go on trips with them. There's that special toy that has to be a part of them because it is something different. And that special toy don't get put down at the bottom of the toy box. It's in a special compartment. I'm telling you, that is a crude illustration. and 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 But it's... But I don't know that we could come up with an illustration that would truly explain the fact that you and I share in the glory of God. God God loved the world. But the whosoever's He took out of the world and placed them in the Lord Jesus Christ. They're no longer in the first Adam, but they're in the second Adam. Not only are we shown His grace, not only do we share in His glory, but you and I are separated unto 
His Son. You and I have been separated unto His Son. We saw in the first section of this prayer a covenant that was made between God the Father and God the Son. There was a covenant that took place. He says, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as he has given him. The interesting thing when we began to understand this is understanding that the Father gave them to the Son and the Son gives them back to the Father. This covenant was to the effect that the Father handed over those special people whom He had chosen for Himself before the foundation of the world. He handed them to the Son in order that the Son might make them a people fit for God's special possession and enjoyment. I think that statement is important enough that I'm going to say that again. He handed them to the Son in order that the Son might make them a people fit for God's special possession and enjoyment. And we're going to deal with that a little more in just a moment. So when the Son left heaven and comes to earth and is born as a babe in Bethlehem to do all that He did, He was coming to carry out a plan. He came because God had handed these people to Him and the Father said in effect, these people cannot be My people as they are. I have chosen them, but they are not yet fit. And I cannot truly enjoy them until they are. The purpose in Christ's coming was to make us fit. To get us to the point to where we could have that reconciliation with God. So God said, in essence, I gave them to you. Go save them, redeem them, sanctify them, and Make them the people that I can enjoy and in whom I shall have great joy and pleasure. Christ came to save, to redeem, to sanctify. And do not miss either of those three. He came to do all of the work that was necessary to be done. I sent Jeffrey a text the other day. I was studying. I was looking at some things and I sent him a text and, and the text went something like this. Love is the essence of the gospel. Or let me back up. I think the way I said it is love and not labor is the essence of the gospel. For Jesus Christ came 
and said this, Come unto me, all ye that what? Labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When you understand and I understand that our salvation, our redemption, our sanctification does not rest in our labor, but it rests in the labor of the Lord Jesus Christ and His labor alone. When we have a clear understanding of that, we can find rest. But otherwise, we're going to be laboring and we're going to be heavy laden. When we turn the Gospel on its head, now most people do not have a problem with understanding justification is through Christ alone. Where they have a major problem is understanding that sanctification is still through Christ alone. Although Christ saved me, although He redeemed me, Brother Charles, I still could not be good enough to sanctify myself. It is still the work of Christ that not only saved me, not only redeemed me, not only reconciled me, but sanctifies me. What? Whose workmanship are we? We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. You and I are not our own workmanship. We are the workmanship of God and we are that workmanship in Christ. And if we could get a hold of that, if this world could get a hold of that, if Christendom could get a hold of that, if those that are saved by the grace of God could get a hold of that, they could find rest. That does not mean we won't labor. That does not mean we won't toil. That does not mean we won't do anything. But if we understand that it is Christ working in us and Christ working through us, it becomes a whole lot easier. It is not difficult for me to love my wife. I do not struggle with that. According to my wife's own testimony, it is not difficult, and some of you may laugh at this, it's not difficult to love me. I'm not going to say I'm a big teddy bear, but it's not difficult when you have that relationship, when you have that, that intimate relationship that you and I have with the Lord Jesus Christ, it is not difficult to love Him. Why? Because He first loved us. And if it is not difficult for us to love Him, then it is not difficult for us to serve Him. What did, didn't Christ not say Himself, My commandments are not grievous. He said, Come unto Me, all ye that, all you people that are, 
are, are, are laboring and all you people that are heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. Rest is found in Christ because Christ is doing the work. Does not mean that He does not allow us to be part of that work. Does not mean that we're going to not physically do something. But our labors are labors in the Lord. What, what, wasn't it the Apostle Paul that said that it's a labor of love? The essence of the gospel is love and not labor. But when we turn that on its head, we, we, we become unrestful and we become heavy laden. But if we, if, we, if we look at it properly and we understand the gospel as we should understand the gospel, we understand that it is restful. This is the whole meaning of the incarnation of Christ. Why did Christ come? Why did He suffer? Why did He become subject to temptation? The whole meaning of His agony, the whole meaning of His death, the whole meaning of His resurrection, the end of everything was that we be God's people. And in being God's people, you and I find rest. The design is to prepare them for the Father in order to make them and make us fit for the Father. Our Lord is described as the mediator of the new covenant. God made a covenant with Him. Our Lord took those that God had given Him and prepared them for God because they are God's particular and peculiar possession. We are God's people. When the last enemy shall be destroyed, when every vestige of sin and evil shall be removed and purged from this world, when the, the contract has been fully completed, our Lord will have perfected the people and He will hand them to God. But it will be Christ that does the perfecting. Amen. It will be Christ that does the work. The kingdom will be handed back to the Father and God shall be all in all for all eternity. Amen. In conclusion of those three things that I've just mentioned to you, I want to give you, I want to give you a few things that I think will help us to understand that. Our normal and ordinary view of salvation is hopelessly and ridiculously inadequate. To be honest with you, it, it does not matter who we are. Our normal and ordinary view of salvation is hopelessly and ridiculously inadequate. And here's the reason why. 
we begin in the wrong place. When we think about salvation, 99 and 9 tenths percent of the time, everyone that thinks of salvation, we start with ourselves. We don't start with God. We turn it on its head and we look at salvation. Here's the way we look at salvation. We start with ourselves. We start with certain things that we want or we desire. I want forgiveness of my sins. I want peace of mind. I want enjoyment and happiness. I want to be delivered from certain sins. I want guidance. I want this. I want that. And my whole concept of salvation is reduced to the level of looking at me instead of looking at God. That's the problem. That is the reason that so many people have such a problem with our first point today that you and I have been shown the grace of God. That it is God that chose a people. You have a hard time understanding that because we start looking at salvation, looking at ourselves instead of looking at God. How sad is it that we should not look at it on the other way? That is to start with God before the foundations of the world. And see His great and gracious purpose. And view ourselves as a people brought into it as God's people. When we understand salvation that way, when we understand it from God's perspective instead of looking at it from our perspective, we see things totally different. The thing that we should be astounded with and the thing, to be honest with you, that will astound us for all eternity is that I am a child of God. God. And God chose it to be that way before the foundations of the world. The psalmist put it this way and had some insight when he made this statement, I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. What the psalmist was saying is I would rather be part of God's kingdom than I had to have the entire riches of this world. Than to to dwell in the Taj Mahal, I would rather be a doorkeeper. I'd rather just stand at the door and welcome those in. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. He was referring to the the best of the best of the best of the best places that you could ever spend in this life as to tents of the wicked. And just let me be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. What's he saying? He said, because I am God's child. I'm part of the family. 
Brother Charles, I don't ever have to worry about not being invited to the supper because I'm part of the family. I belong to God. Not only the psalmist put it that way, but even Moses. Where, Where was Moses as a babe? was taken from his mother. He was placed in in the bulrushes and he was put and floated down the river and was taken. Where was he taken from the river? He was taken to the palaces. He grew up in the palaces. He, He had things that other people during his time, other Younger uh, people his same age, they did not have access to. He had access to that. But he, in the book of Hebrews, said he would choose rather to suffer the afflictions, what? With the people of God than the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses had the taste of both. He said, I'd rather... I'd rather suffer afflictions with the people of God than than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. What was Moses saying? He was saying, I'd rather know I'm a child of God. I'd rather know I'm part of the family than to enjoy everything this world has and die and go to hell. Not only that, but Consider the relationship that you and I have with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what matters. It is that kinship. It is that fact that God has chosen us to be His people. God has made us His children. We are the children of God. Not only is our view of salvation woefully inadequate, But I would also draw the conclusion that we are very guilty of misunderstanding the work of Jesus Christ. And here's where people misunderstand a lot of things. This this astounded me and when I was studying it, I thought, if we could get a hold of this, understand the work of Christ, the work of Christ, and we looked at that, we considered it when you and I are part of, are given over, if you will. Let me see how I worded that. We are separated unto the Son, Jesus Christ. But understand that we are very guilty of misunderstanding the work of Christ. It was never the work of Christ. To make God love us. God already loved us. The work of Christ had nothing to do with getting God to love us. And many times our view of salvation is that Jesus Christ is in heaven and God the Father. If we're not careful and we began to look at our works and we began to look at our labors and we began to look at what we've done and what we've not done, here's the way we look at things. We look at things as if God is mad at us 
if, it's, if God is not happy with us and Jesus Christ is saying, whoa, don't, don't do anything right now, that, that they're mine, they're covered with the blood. And, and sometimes we even preach that from the pulpit, but it's nothing further from the truth. You and I already have the love of God. Yes, sir. Yes. We... <laughs> In having the love of God, we can never have any more of the love of God than I have right now. I have all of God's love that I'm ever going to get right now. God loved me. If God did not love me, He would not have chose me before the foundations of the world. God loved me. It was not the work of Christ that causes God to love me. It does not depend on what Christ did for God to love His people. What Jesus Christ did was come to make us fit to be in the presence of God. It does not... God loved us. God saved us. That, that's not going to... God... God did not send Jesus Christ and, and tell Him to do a work on us so God would love us. God already loved us. But He came and had us, had Christ do a work in us that we could be a recipient of the love of God. Not so that God would love us because He already loved us. He loved us before the foundations of the world. But the love of the, the, the work of Christ was so that it would make it was for us. What Christ did was not for God. What Christ did was not for Christ. What Christ did was for us. So that we could be a fit recipient of the love of God. It was not to, it was not to make us more presentable to God. God already loved us. He loved us the way we were. God, For God loved us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah. It, was to, it was to get us in a position that we could stand before Him. It was to pay the price of the fall of Adam. Number three, in conclusion, think of the place that we occupy in the interest and love of the Father and the Son. Think of the place that you and I exist within the love of the Father and of the Son. The trouble is that we do not realize His love for us. We try to do things within ourselves to work out some love from the depth of our being. We, we try to do things, we, we try to do things, and, and it's easy if we're not careful, it's easy for even if we know the truths of the grace of God, even if we know the truths of the fact that God loves us, it's still easy sometimes for us to get caught up in, I want to do this so God will be more pleased with me. 
God is as pleased with me as He is with Christ. Because I'm in Christ. And I rest in Christ. So, understand who we are in Christ. And if we can really grasp who we are. Did you ever hear this growing up? When you go out, you honor the... In in my case, you, you go out, you honor the Perry name. Don't you make bad on the name. You and I, if we could grasp and understand that we are the children of God already, it would make it easier for us to do the things we do because we understand not we understand not what Christ has done for us, but we understand more, more in depth, Brother Ricky, we understand who we are in Christ. It's a whole lot easier. It's a whole lot easier when I understand who I am in Christ. It's a whole lot easier to be obedient to the commands that God gives. Because I understand that I'm already there. I understand that I'm already in the family. I understand I'm already loved. I understand all of these things. And if I understand these things, I can rest and allow Christ to work in me. That's the reason it's not hard. That's the reason it's not difficult. Not only that, but I'll give you this last of all. What sort of people ought we to be in light of this doctrine? What sort of people ought we to be in light of this doctrine? Again, we are too troubled about the details of the question of holiness and sanctification. What, what method must I adopt? What must I do? The answer to this is to realize once again, not what you must do, but realize who you are. The way of holiness is to realize who we are and always remember who we are. The more we remember who we are, the more we will just automatically do those things that please the Father. When I realized the relationship of my Father and the relationship we had, it was not difficult to just do what He asked. Why? Because I knew that He had my best interest in mind. Not that that should change anything. But understanding that made a difference. Understanding that made a difference. Every man that has this hope in himself, what does the Bible tell us? He purifies himself even as he is pure. Every man that understands who he is in God purifieth himself even as he is pure. Why? Because he just... (laughs) You just take your hands off the wheel. And I know that's that's, that's some sort of cliche and some sort of phrase that half the world uses. 
But just taking your hands off your salvation, just take your hands off your sanctification, and just let God do the work. It's just that simple. Just d Does that mean we won't fail? No. Does that mean we won't sin? No. But the more we release ourselves from that work, the more that God can do the work in us. Let us meditate on these things. Let us, if we don't get anything else today, let me give you this. Let us stop starting with ourselves and start starting with God. It works out a whole lot better that way. When you just look at things God's way. When you just understand it's Him doing the work. When you just understand that it is the work of Jesus Christ in us to make us fit to be part of the possession that God has already has of us. He already possesses us. Let us pray for ourselves as Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus that the eyes of our understanding might be open and that we may know the riches of the glory of His inheritance in us. I can't comprehend it, Brother Charles, but I am part of God's inheritance. I'm not talking about I am inheriting from God. I am part of God. God's inheritance. I'm part of what God's going to get. And when we see ourselves that way, it's a whole lot easier just to rest in Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the truths of this Scripture. We thank You for the goodness of this Scripture. Thank You that Jesus Christ prayed this prayer and prayed this prayer on our behalf. Thank You, Lord, for Your goodness to us. Thank You for Your blessings upon our life. Thank You for everything that You have done. Thank You most of all for loving us when we were unlovable. For saving us. Lord, for giving unto us those things that You have given unto us and allowing us to be part of Your inheritance. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.